When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. Hey everybody, Michael Thiessen here, and as usual, you are listening to Open Mic with me, Michael Thiessen. The show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with ChristianWeek.org. Liberty Coalition Canada exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. As always, go to libertycoalitioncanada.com to see our work and our legal cases and go to christianweek.org to see some updated news articles. Um, With inflation at a 40-year high and economic stagflation on the horizon, we've been saying this for a little while now, Growing and preserving your hard-earned capital is of utmost importance. And so our friends over at RockLink Investment Partners understand and invest during the challenges of today. RockLink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality business anchored in the time-tested principles of value investing. And they do not shy away from businesses that do not meet the World Economic Forum definition of ESG. So email rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them at rocklink.com. That is link with a C. Today, everybody, we have a familiar face with us, uh, Mr. James Kitchen. And we are happy to have you on, James. And we are going to be giving our folks a legal update. And uh, it's great to have you back, James. Everybody, just so you know, this is our year-end time to support these legal cases in 2023. And so we are we are here giving this update, specifically asking you if you would be willing to partner with us in order to help us finish up some of these cases. So today, James, we are going to be talking about um, uh, Rebecca, can you please give us an update on Rebecca and her case? Sure. So this case is about Rebecca Abdu. She, like many of you, like many of you probably know, lost her job because she wouldn't take the COVID shot. And she wouldn't take the shot because of her Christian religious beliefs, which was a lot of people in this country. And as if to pour salt on the wound, Rebecca, like thousands of others, sought to get EI, employment insurance, after losing their jobs unjustly for not taking the shot. 
she was denied like so many others. And, you know, she appealed and she appealed and she appealed. She hired me to help her appeal. I had a few of these EI cases, people hiring me to appeal up and to, to get their EI benefits because it was unlawful that they were denied. And so Liberty Coalition Canada stepped in to take this case and take it to the federal court because, I mean, Rebecca Abdu, the poor woman, she lost her job. She didn't get EI. You know, she was just living on savings like so many people during the, this COVID era. She just didn't have the funds to pay me, even if I was, you know, charging a really low rate. She just she didn't have it. And so this is where Liberty Coalition Canada stepped in and said, "We're this case is important. We're going to take this to the federal court. So we did. We filed a judicial review to the federal court. That was heard by the federal court, by a judge of the federal court, about uh, two weeks ago, early in November. I think November 8th it was heard on. And we do not have a decision yet. Okay, so we don't know what the federal court's going to do. But I can tell you that it was it was a tough case. Um, the, the, the Attorney General of Canada, now that's one person, but how it works is that the Attorney General has a whole bunch of lawyers working for him or her in an office that lawyers just call the AG's office. And so it's not any particular one person, it's a whole army of lawyers. One of these lawyers was, was running this case and uh, he fought it pretty hard. Um, not that I thought his arguments were very strong, but he certainly, certainly you know, took a lot of steps and challenged us at every single way. Tried to get it dismissed at one point in a in a in a bit of a bit of a roundabout way, and so we had to deal with that. Um, and so we put a lot of work into our arguments. Spent a lot of time on it. I have an associate now, and she's wonderful, brilliant woman. And uh, so she did a lot of the work on this case. She actually she actually argued it last week at the federal court. Um, she poured her heart and soul into it, and she had excellent arguments. Um, we had an excellent written argument, um, and so we're just waiting for a decision. I hope the federal court um, does the right thing and follows the law. EI law is old; it's 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 over thirty years old. We've had employment insurance uh, for for most people who would be listening to this. We've had it for their entire adult lives in Canada. It's it's not a new thing. Employment insurance has, has been around since Canada decided it wanted to experiment with socialism back in the 70s. And I mean, I have thoughts about, about EI itself, but the fact is, and then I've said this before, the fact is, if there is a program in place, be it misguided because it's socialist, if it's in place, then Canadians should have equal access to it. Healthcare, EI, whatever it is. Right. And by the way, this is part of the problem as to why you shouldn't have all these government programs. Inevitably, the government will pick favorites over who's going to have access to it. That's just history. So that's a whole other podcast. But if it's there, then Christians should have access to it as much as the gays or the blacks or whoever is the particular social favored group of the government of the day, right? That's what it means to be equal under the law. This is why uh, people like me would say, mm, you, you start to lose your freedom, say goodbye to your equality. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be replaced with favoritism. Right. So all the people on the left would say, well, we want equality, equality, equality. Yeah. Well, that's not what happens. So what you got is thousands of Christians who didn't take the shot, asked for a religious accommodation, were unlawfully denied by their employers, fired, and then went to the EI commission. And the EI commission applied their prejudice towards Christians and unvaccinated people and said, no, 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 no. And they said no in ways that I think are patently unlawful. But now, um, you know, we get to the court and 
I got to admit, I'm, I'm doubtful that the court's going to follow the 30 years of EI law. I'm doubtful that they're going to they're going to do that, and I'm and I'm concerned that they're just going to they're just going to change the law because that's a lot of what's been going on with COVID, right? The courts just say, well, we don't care what the law has been. We're going to remake it. We're going to use COVID to remake it to what we think is better. Okay. So James, just as just as you mentioned, all of those individuals, I, I kind of want to give everybody, you know, Rebecca's portfolio. So she was a medical laboratory technologist who lost her job from Canadian blood services. And that was when they mandated their vaccine policy in September of 2021. So again, folks, this is, this is another one of those health industry professionals who actually had it mandated that you must be jabbed just to keep your job. And of course, James, and you can talk to this a little bit if you want, but of course they allowed for religious exemptions. And so, yeah, on paper. well, I, I know, okay. I say that biting my tongue in my cheek. Um, <laughs> the, they, we've talked about this before. They legally knew they had to allow for it. We created for Liberty Coalition Canada, a robust legal explanation for many individuals that they could take and use as long as they agreed with the, with the, with the, um, with the, with the Christian perspective that we presented and they could use that would, that would meet any threshold that would be self-explanatory. That would be very helpful. And Canadian blood services, just like so many other, uh, you know, we learned about, uh, North general hospital, just, just throwing out all of these, not even looking at them. Uh, Canadian blood services just responded and said, Nope, that's not a biblically held belief. That's just a, that's just a personal belief. And so, um, this is, this is where Rebecca stands and, and Christians, what you're seeing, I want to point this out, right? What you're seeing is you are seeing, uh, every, Every, t you know, every T or every I, every possible scenario where people are saying that just wasn't done properly um, or that just doesn't meet the standard, you are seeing us respond going, no, 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 no. This meets all of the standards. This meets all of the standards before the law, as James has just said. And they're they're because of their preference and their de deference to the government. We've talked about that many times before they are just ignoring the law. That's why these cases are so important. Uh, James, when you say you're doubtful that I'm sure that that alarms so many people. Um, and I think you're doubtful probably because we've seen something from the justice center, another case similar to this and the court did not, uh, did not uh, decide favorably towards the justice center's case. So why don't you explain to our listeners a little bit about that most recent case and then kind of go back and say, why are we still in this fight with Rebecca then or for Rebecca then? Because hmm. like this case is, you know, you know, we, we're, we need another $48,000 to cover the, our costs to see this case through to the end. And uh, like, that's a, that's a big investment. And so 
you know, explain to people kind of why we're nervous about the courts right now, but also why we're still fighting this one and, um, and, and how important this is in the, in the Canadian landscape. So there's a lot to say there. One, one thing I want people to know, you know, part of the reason I do this work, I want to win. I try to win. Um, a lot of times uh, I am shocked if I do. It, it is rare. That is the reality. So then the question is, well, well, why, why bother? Part of it is, for me, is at least when we fight and we lose, I can use that to expose to the, to the, to the people listening, be they small, be they large, hopefully they're large, I can expose to them what's wrong and, and, and I can show them how this is leading to a, a very bad place. And it's not dramatic to say so. It is going to lead to a very bad place. And so I can, I can help them, I can help them prepare. I can, I can, I can help make them aware in a way that, in a way that it wouldn't happen otherwise, right? Unless you have cases that are run and then they are lost. And then we, and then we, then we have the judges, you know, expose and reveal themselves and, and, and where, and where they want the law to go. And then, and then you have a lawyer who's willing to be honest and take risks to explain that to the public. The public will never know what's going on. Okay. Now, I mean, you know, of course, some of them won't know what's going on anyways, because they won't pay attention, but at least some people will pay attention and they can say, okay, I see what's happening. I see how it's wrong. I'm going to teach my kids. Otherwise I'm going to, I'm going to talk with my friends about it. Uh, I'm going to decide what's, what's best for me and how, and how I get, get prepared for this dystopia that's, that's coming. Uh, maybe, maybe I start talking about uh, with my uh, politicians uh, that, that are in my local locally you know, the MP that's running in my riding, I start talking about, well, wait a minute, you know, what's your, what's your position on how we appoint judges and how we, how we vet them and how we pick them. That's a conversation we are not having in Canada. And if I had to pick the three biggest things that are leading to the future loss of freedoms in the nation, one of them would definitely be the fact that we know nothing about and apparently care nothing about how our judges are selected. I said in an interview a few days ago that it's not necessarily terrible that there are judges who are Marxist in their worldview, think big government is great and think individual rights are just this pesky nuisance and a luxury that we allow once in a while. Um, the problem, the bigger problem is not that they're there because that's inevitable. Uh, the bigger problem is that there is nobody, essentially nobody on the bench in Canada who thinks like I do who thinks that individual rights and freedoms are good, who thinks that the charter still actually means something, who thinks that they do have some role to hold the government accountable, who thinks that, you know, big government and, and, and all the things that they might want to do to make the world a better place isn't universally good. That's a problem. So you have this unbalanced perspective, right? So you just have a whole bench who thinks the same way that happens to be a pro-government way that happens to be a way that's against individual rights. What does that mean? Your nation will be remade in their image, even if they don't mean to, even if they don't have some sort of like conscious evil intent. If they all think the same way, they're all going to rule the same way. And you could say goodbye to a country that's based on the principles that they don't subscribe to. 
Okay, so in the U.S., sure, we have all kinds of judges that are that are left wing. They don't like individual rights. They're pro government, whatever, pro union, and all the rest of it. But you have a counterbalance to that, right? You have a, roughly a split between people who, who who value individual rights above all else, like me, and the people who value their 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 Marxist ideas. Now, obviously, I think I'm right, and I think the Marxists are, are wrong when it comes to you know what's better for humanity, what's better for the world, what's better for country. I think I'm right, and I think they're wrong. But but put that aside for a second. If we just had balance, we used to in Canada. Okay, you could go back to the '80s and '90s, and we had balance, right? So we had we had decisions going both ways. We had a lot of you know six threes, five four majorities uh, or minorities and dissenting opinions at the court of, at the Supreme Court of Canada. And, you know, we had some some decisions that, that, that upheld rights or increased them and some that decreased them and some that were pro-government and that some weren't. And again, I wish they were all pro-rights and, 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 and anti-big government, but at least we had a balance, right? Canadian society was not falling to pieces in the 80s and 90s. Those of you who are older than me and listening to this can relate to that. Maybe even those that were my age and grew up in that era can relate to that. Canada was not a country that was falling apart in the 80s and 90s. It is today. Obviously, we got, you know, some bozo in Ottawa. That's part of the reason. But but systemically, underneath all that, part of the reason is where our courts have gone, okay, where our laws have gone. And I mean, I mean, the case law, not just the statutes passed by the bozo and his buddies, okay, where the, where the judges have taken the case law. Um, in the last 20 years, it's been terrible, right? We've pretty much gutted religious freedom in this country. We cannot have a Christian law school, right? In the U.S., they have all kinds of Christian law schools. So I, I know this is I know this is a long answer, but but this 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 is just so 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 important. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this until either I lose my license over it, or 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 it changes. Because say goodbye to ever revolutionizing this country for freedom again until we fix this problem. So hold that question. So why does this matter? Because at the federal court, right? So I'm at the federal court. The Justice Center t took a case to the Federal Court of Appeal about EI. Slightly different case, slightly different facts, but you know, very similar. And, and the Federal Court of Appeal was just very dismissive. They issued they issued a decision the same day as the arguments were had. Okay, they argued their case a week before the Rebecca Abdu case. So, which kind of makes me wonder if they if they issued their decision partly because they wanted to get it out so they could use it as a precedent to beat down Abdu's case and all the rest of them. So they issued it the same day, very dismissive, and um, just just didn't really engage the, the good arguments that needed to be engaged. Do I think our arguments on Rebecca's case are a little better and her facts a little better? Sure. But I, I mean, I can already see the federal court saying, well, the federal court of appeal threw out that case and, you know, we just, we're just we going to change the EI law and you know, it's the same thing with 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 the the mood case. I'm sure people have heard about that, right? We had that we had the vaccine travel mandate case, went to the court of appeal. It'd be one thing to lose, that's bad enough. But the federal court of appeal said this is so unimportant that we don't even want to talk about it, right? We don't care that your rights were violated for a year or two. What does that matter? It's not continuing. Why would we even waste our time talking about it? We have more important things to talk about it. That should terrify anybody raising children in this country. Okay, that that the court's attitude is not just so that we will we will entertain this and then give you a good reason as to why why we're ruling against it. It's we don't even have the time of day for this. Let's move on to all the other important things we got to do with our Marxist agenda. That's that that's what. So that 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 actually scares me more than 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 even the ruling on the other EI case. Right, that tells me where the federal court and federal court of appeal judges are at. They just don't care. 
They don't care if Christians don't get EI. They don't care if people can't travel because of because of these ridiculous vaccine mandate. They just don't care. I don't know what's so much more important to them. I really don't. But but apparently that just doesn't matter to them. Right. Again, this goes back to the lack of a balance. It would have to matter to them if they had to contend with people like me on the bench. Right. All the crazy lefties on the Supreme Court of, in the United States, there's three of them, I think they have. They have, they, they, they can't just ignore it. They'd love to. They can't. They got to deal with the with the six people who are, are always ruling against them and saying, hey, you got to care about individual liberties, right? So there's that. And I want to talk a little bit about fundraising and all that, but I've gone on at length and you had a question. Yeah, I probably have two now. Um, so I don't think most people have heard of the case that you just referenced. And so just clarify did the case, did the court refuse to hear the case? Um, so this is, yes. this is a, this is a, this is a court of appeal that was lost. And then the, the higher court refused to hear the case. Yeah. So both levels of court now at the federal court have said it's, it's moot. This vaccine okay. travel mandate thing is moot, which, which is to say, we don't care that your rights were violated. Okay. Or maybe violated. You contend they're violated. We think that this is so unimportant that we don't even want to take the time to, to rule on it, right? Okay, because, so because that leads me to a statement then, which again, uh, James, as you say, wow, that should terrify people. Let's put this into context. The context is that the government shut down the right. And then the government declared that this is not important because likely giving, giving, you said, I don't know what's more important. Well, I know that throughout the entire pandemic, we would say, I would say things like you can't really want to, to burden the courts with all of this stuff when you actually have to deal with criminals. And so it was interesting that at the beginning there the government will say, here are outrageous rules. The citizenry will go, these rules are outrageous and you don't want to enforce them in the courts. So why would you establish them? They're unlawful. Stop establishing them. They go ahead anyways. And then they come back to you with the very thing that the citizenry was critiquing about the rules, which was you don't want to deal with this in court. So they get to have their cake and eat it too. And people just need to hear about that. That's the danger of it. When we were first raising the alarm, it was, these are outrageous. And you don't, there are, our courts are backed up anyways. Like let people live their life. And if they, if they live or they die, that is on them. Like you do not need to make this a, an issue of the court. Stop it. Especially with the level of fines and imprisonment threats and all of those types of things, you know, uh, give us a $40 ticket for keeping our church open and we'll pay it. And no, the, the courts don't get backed up, but no, you get a summons to court and, and, and you, you've got to develop a defense and there's got to be a prosecutor there. So now they get to use the very excuse that we told them not to do this in the first place in order to use it against uh, the citizens who they've ignored. That is an atrocity. That, that is vile. That, that is, 
we did this to you and now we think it's so unimportant. We don't want to hear about it rather than we did this to you. We're going to spend a day solving it and, and upholding the law and find and, 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 uh, and deciding in your favor. Like folks, this is why James and I keep talking about the size of the government, the deference to the government. And James is saying, we've got to clear up the courts. Now, this leads to the second question, and I actually, while you were talking, James, I texted one of our one of our teammates, and I said, "Look, we've got a we've got to prep something for citizens to respond if they want to if they want to do something to help course correct how 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 judges are picked." And I'm I'm willing to bet that the average Canadian, including myself, would have no idea what could I do. To actually make sure that judges are picked better, is there? And if you have a few ideas that we could refine and help and 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 supply for people on the website, that might that would probably be a a, a really good um, task for us. Um, I I I hear your statement and I go, I can't do anything about it. What can I do? You know, it's 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 not easy. Politics are not easy. Uh, this is part of the reason why politics are a mess in Canada. I, I don't think Canadians are willing to put in the sacrifice and the effort. Um, you know, they, they you got to be willing to roll up your sleeves. Those of you who have done some political work, man, you know how hard the work is. More of us have got to be willing to put in the effort. And no, no, no I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain that. So... <clears throat> So on, on an individual level, the first thing I would say is make it an issue first, okay? So let's take the issue of transgenderism, okay? The left came out with this, what, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago? Started to get a little bit of traction around 10 years ago, and then so the pioneers of- By putting it into the Bill of Rights. They already won 15 years ago by putting it into the Bill of Rights, but go ahead. Oh yeah, they usually, they're way ahead of, they're way ahead of the game on, on, on us sensible-minded people. So about, I'm going to say about 10 years ago, the pioneers of the opposition to this evil movement that, that, are, that are destroying young lives were people like Matt Walsh and myself, although I, had, I did not have a platform like Matt Walsh. Um, they, they, they came in and said, ah, yeah, this is, this is destructive. This is evil. This is terrible. We have to oppose this, right? You hear the term woke and gender ideology thrown around now. Okay, I was using those terms, you know, five seven years ago when they were still pretty new. Now, you know, now they've caught on, which I think is great. But um, we, people like us made it an issue. Josh Alexander has made gender ideology an issue. Billboard Chris, these, these people that actually have platforms and traction, they've made it an issue. Guess what? I'm going to brutalize his name. I think it's Pierre Poyev. I think that's how you say his name. He has now started to, you know, hesitantly talk about gender ideology. Okay, now for the longest time, he didn't talk about it. For the longest time, um, people were telling, you need to talk about this. This is important. We're, we, this is an issue to us. We're making it an issue. And guess what? Finally, he responded like politicians do, and he started to make it an issue because he's been told enough that it should be an issue. He's seen enough now, finally, there's enough people who, who support him that have made it an issue. Now it's an issue. That's how it works. With the PPC way earlier, and again, I just want to say I'm way happier with Max Bernier and the PPC oh, than the Conservative Party 
Oh, of course. I, <laughs> I, I know you I, – I, I'm only bringing that up. Christian Heritage Party too. Uh, Rod Taylor, I only bring that up because, again, Christian's kind of default look to the conservatives. I think the conservatives are dead. I think – I think – I. I think that they I think that they can be torpedoed and something quickly replace them but I just don't want you and I to defer back to the conservatives as a like they're not helpful even though it's good you're saying we've made it an issue and now even the even the pink purple nope can't use word pur- can't use purple because that's that's a uh, that's uh, actually PPC's colors. The uh, the the really light fairy blue um, conservative party uh, has at least started listening a little bit. But there's other parties that are better. Go back to your point. Make it an issue. I I right. So that's where it starts on the individual level. Make it an issue. Okay, it is an issue. To the average American who is concerned with public affairs, who the judges are at the Supreme Court and the Courts of Appeal in America. That is not the case in Canada. The average reasonable, intelligent person who reads the news and actually cares a little bit about Canada and has some idea what's going on does not give a hoot and has no idea what's going on. Okay? How many people listening to this know who the latest Supreme Court judge was just appointed? I'm going to say probably less than the people on my fingers on my hand. I don't. Okay. I, I feel I feel sad. Exactly. Can, you don't. Even- I, can, I can name the I can name a bunch of the Americans, but I, I the the Canadian ones did that even get a whole lot of press? Like No, cuz nobody in this country cares. It baffles me. It baffles me. I know who she is. Okay? I, I had to deal with her through the pandemic. I know who her husband is. <laughs> I, I, is her I name know... by chance blue-haired Karen? No, no, no. Her name is Mary Morneau, I think is how you say it. She was the chief justice in Alberta. She was one of the chief justices that imposed a mask mandate and a vaccine mandate upon the Court of Queen's Bench in Alberta, okay, which I publicly opposed. In fact, I sued the courts over the mask mandate, okay? So... So I, 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 I know who this judge is, okay? And it's the same thing in Canada, okay? You, you, you get your typical lefty lawyer and they, they go and join the law society and they do all these left-wing causes and then they get appointed to the bench and then they get promoted and promoted and promoted and then, and then they, you know, they, they, they issue their pro-government rulings, okay? It's just, it's just like, it's like, a, it's like you just got to follow the formula if you want to be a judge in this country. Right. Like it's just it's just do this, do this, do this, do this. Hold these views, hold these views, hold these views. Put the pronoun at the bottom of your email and you'll probably get there if you have enough good liberal friends. It shouldn't be that way. Right. How many people know that the only that one of only two really good pro-freedom justices we had in the Supreme Court of Canada recently lost his position over shady circumstances? Okay, he was traveling in the U.S. and somebody started beating him up. And somehow that led to him getting kicked off the Supreme Court of Canada. Who knows about that that's listening? I'm talking about Justice Brown from Alberta. Pro-freedom guy, constitutionalist, originalist, uh, upheld individual rights, wrote the most amazing dissident opinion in the Trinity Western case, right? Who knows about that? Who's talking about that, right? When Scalia, Justice Scalia, and I'm, I'm sure some people don't even know who that is, but he, he, he was... Um, 
he was, the, you know, the most famous pro-freedom judge on the Supreme Court of Canada just a few years ago. And he had a heart, heart attack under very suspicious circumstances on a, on a remote ranch in Texas. Now, I don't know what happened, but at least people were, were talking about it. They were concerned about it and they should be. Right. And I don't know. I don't, there was no closure on that, but at least people were really concerned about it. I mean, I was reading about that for months on and people were like, what's going on? This is not OK. We don't even have that conversation in Canada when Justice Brown, you know, leaves the bench over over very suspicious circumstances. Right. This matters. Make it an issue. Individuals, you can make it an issue and you underestimate the power you have in that. Now, in order to get ultimate change in this, we need like a 10-year movement with an organization that receives funding and does all this. Okay, that's, that's, that is going to have to happen. And that's a lot of work. But in the meantime, what also has to happen is individuals have to start making this an issue they actually care about. How many millions of Americans voted for, for doofus Trump? Okay, because and his policies and his ideas are pretty great, but he as a person is kind of a doofus. I mean, if I was an American, I would vote for him, but I, you know, like it's not, I mean, I'd rather vote for a guy like Ramaswamy who's intelligent and principled and all the rest of it. But why, why would I vote for Trump? Because, because what is he going to do? He's going to, he's going to put people on the bench that are going to make sure my children actually have a free life. Okay. Kavanaugh and, and Gorgeous and, the, and Amy Coney Barrett, right? Trump is going to put those people on the bench. If you make it an issue, Poliviev is gonna is gonna is gonna have to make it an issue too, and he's gonna have to say, okay, I'm gonna stop putting all these all these left wing lawyers on the bench from the law societies. I'm gonna start looking to find people who think like Mr. Kitchen does, and I'm gonna see if I can put them on the bench so we can start to balance this out and actually get some decisions that uphold the Charter of Rights. That's how it works, people. Okay, make it an issue. He makes it an issue. You start getting some people on the bench who will actually preserve, maybe preserve the freedom of your children for 20, 30 years down the road. That's how this works. Make it an issue, have the conversation, okay? So I'm sorry, that all goes back to why do I do this even though I know I'm likely to lose because the courts want to change the law away from what it used to be and what I think it should be. It's you because- didn't quite, You didn't quite answer the question was, how do judges get appointed? Is it directly an appointment of the prime minister's executive sorry, yes. office. Yes, yes, the prime minister appoints all the judges at the federal court, the federal court of appeal, the Supreme Court of Canada, all the all the courts of appeal in each province and all of the the courts of inherent jurisdiction in Canada, which is the Queen's bench, the King's bench, the Supreme Court in BC, the Supreme Court in Nova Scotia, the Ontario Court uh, Superior Court of Justice in Ontario. Okay, every court except for the lowest provincial level, which is usually called the provincial court, every level of court in this country, even, even, even the provincial ones, okay, in each province, are appointed by the prime minister. The prime minister appoints all, all the most important judges in the country and, and, and the vast majority of them, regardless of what, like, so in Alberta, okay, in Alberta, I know you might have, you know, Daniel Smith is the premier. She does not appoint judges to the court of King's bench in Alberta. Trudeau does, okay? It's a political process. They're appointed Okay, it's not an election. It's 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 just whoever has political power gets to decide who the judges are. Okay. Now, is that the same effectively in the United States? I believe it is. This is why the executive <sighs> office is so important. And and I I, I okay, believe so that the, like it might not be one for one, but the executive office vote is very important. <sighs> It's okay. It is, it is different down there to a degree. 
okay, because of the division of powers. One of the reasons the American system is better than ours is they divide up their power. Okay, James Madison, right? If you coalesce power around one person, you will have tyranny. Two plus two equals four. That's been true throughout history, and so has it been true throughout history that if you coalesce too much power around one person, you will get tyranny. Okay, so the founding fathers knew this. We have to divide the power. Okay, the president of the United States might have a lot of power in the world, but over his nation, he has way less power than the Prime Minister of Canada, because the American Republic system does a way better job of dividing power than the, the Westminster Canadian system that the, that the Brits and the Canadians have. That's right. So the pre the president in the United States put f puts forward appointments, but the senators in each state have to ratify the appointments. Right. So 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 you have a Democrat president, but if the Republicans have the Senate, right, then. You know, you, it's really hard for the president to get who he wants on the bench of the Supreme and Court. I don't even think it is a. I don't even think it is a uh, Senate across the board. I think that the senators from the state themselves have to approve uh, the appointment, and then you're talking, it goes you're talking to the Senate statement. floor for the decision to be made. So it's a two-step process of the state having input. Right. First, at the acceptance of the appointment, they can say, nope, we don't we don't like that name. Come back to us. Then at the actual Senate decision and vote on the appointment, I believe that that is the case. The reason why I'm bringing this up, James, is because I wanted you to say it, which you did. Sucker. You didn't know you were going to say it. But the amount of power in Canada that lies in the prime minister's office is incredible. And so when James says make this an issue, Max Bernier, whoever is a part of the PPC, make this an issue. Christian Heritage Party, make this an issue. Conservatives, please just like leave the conservative party and go somewhere better and, and make this an issue. Because as long as the liberals get in, every court in Canada – We'll go liberal. And I want to make a connection here, James, because I, this is this is where we cannot be guilty of 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 throwing mud and not owning our own reality. And that, that is this. People will pick the judges that reflect their worldview. That will always happen. It will never not happen. So the idea when James says you're not supposed to, you know, just pick your friends and whatever, especially in Canada, that's exactly how it's been designed. That the prime ministership is more of a dictatorship than anything that in comparison in the United States, that the prime minister has an incredible amount of power. Canada set itself up that way. So it would be more expedient. It looked at the American system and said that is uh, too laborious. And we need to have a more expedient system. So the prime minister has a great amount of power and any prime minister will always pick his friends and the people who agree with him. And guess what? That is what setting up a political system. That's why you do the work to do it because that's actually the way it is supposed to happen in Canada, which means that we're not supposed to go out and lobby for a change. Maybe. Maybe we do. Maybe we say the system needs to slow down, but we don't get confused about the issue. 
We don't, we don't, we don't let the liberals throw mud at us and say, well, if you do it, you'll just do the same thing. And we go, oh, no, 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 we won't. Yes, we will. Un unless we decide to slow things down, which I'm fine. But we will and we should right now in order to overthrow this balance. So make this an issue. And if, and if the conservative party will not make it an issue, then leave them. I already know that Max Bernier and the Christian Heritage Party are better on this. Somehow the right has to figure this out, as James has said, and I'm getting excited about this and passionate simply because of what James has explained. How is it possible that how is it possible that every conservative party is not speaking about this explicitly and regularly with the amount of power? And guess what? The courts are the most powerful institution in Canada. Not the so the prime minister can go fly around and dress up like an Indian and he can fly around and dress up like a lumberjack and he can put on blackface and one day his hair is perfect and and everybody goes, "Oh, look at our attractive young, you know, bilingual prime minister." And the next day he can look like a total buffoon and on a foreign policy <laughs> level, like, "Okay, maybe he's got some but at home that man picks the guy who will rule over the nation in the courts. And by the way, I just want to connect this biblically. The most important function of government biblically is that the people find satisfaction before the courts for disputes and the courts rule with just fair decisions according to the wisdom of God, not just airy fairy ideas, but very uh, established rule of law that they give satisfaction to the citizenry. That's the most important function of government. We see that we didn't even need a king. We did not even need a prime minister. The Lord never um, established a kingship in Israel until Israel rejected the Lord as their king. And he then, hmm. by his grace, and in order to show them what you know this is what happens when you get what you want allowed them to have a king other than that the most important roles in the nation were the prophets who were functioning as judges these judges are the most important roles in a governmental system uh biblically philosophically and very practically so uh, james sorry to you know, go on a diatribe there but I want. I asked you whether they were this, the same, so that you would explain that they weren't, so people would understand how much power the prime minister have, and it's an embarrassment that Christian conservatives have not been able to figure out how we can do this. And I say it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment for us all. I'm not pointing the finger anywhere. You know, we've been asleep at the wheel. We're trying to raise our families. You know, you 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 try to do the good creational work. You try to be a part of a local church and not everybody likes to fight a lot and politics is just a battle and it's a, it's a tough one, but church, if we're going to win it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to, it's got to be at the election box so that the courts are better. And if the courts don't get better, the rule of law in Canada is dead. It is, it is right. I used, you know, and, I, and to go back to what I earlier said, just briefly, I used to get really upset that almost all the lawyers in the country were were were, were left wing, and which 
I mean, for whatever reason, seems to mean, you know, they have a low view of individual rights and they have a high view of, of big government intervention. And, and then therefore the courts are that way, you know, and, and the more I think about this, the more I think, okay, it isn't necessarily bad that there's a bunch of these people that think this way on the bench. What's, which actually is worse is the fact that they never have to contend with the opposing viewpoint. They can write whatever decision they want. They never have to worry about anybody else on the bench with equal power like them, ability to write decisions and, and, and to publicly oppose what they're doing. They don't, have, they don't have to worry about it anymore because there's nobody left who thinks the way I do on the bench. There is only one on the Supreme Court of Canada. Eight to one we are losing right now on if you're pro-freedom, okay? Eight to one we are losing, right? They have no concern about her. They, 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 nobody has any concern anymore at the federal court about some some pro freedom rebel judge coming in and 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 exposing all their poor legal thinking and, and 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 revisions of the law. They don't have to contend with it. That's why they can go. They can get away with just oh, it's moot. We don't care. Oh, we don't care about this. We'll change the law on this. You know who's going to hold them accountable? Because you know what, the people the people can't really hold them accountable very well. Who's going to hold them accountable the best? Other Judges, the seven judges who ruled against Trinity Western were held to account very well by Justice Brown. His decision was way more serious legally. Okay, it was excellent dissenting decision, had over twice as much citations to the law that founded this country. Okay, now it was only seven to two, but that just goes to show they had to contend with him. Right? And, and scholars like me had legal scholars that like go ahead. Sorry, I'm interrupting you, but I want I want you to dig into that. First of all, to give people context. Um, you can read a really good book called One Vote Away, written by Ted Cruz, talks about the importance of the battle for the mm -hmm. Supreme Court in the United States. And he says one vote away because currently the conservatives are winning, but only by one vote. James just gave you the Canadian context. It's it it's six votes that were nowhere close. Like that's the that's the that's the book that James could write. Six six votes. That we're, we're nowhere close, uh, and and we we've got to overcome that. James, talk about decisions. You know, it's interesting as we're following the legal stuff. People don't necessarily understand the importance of a decision and the importance of how sometimes um, dissenting decisions are written. Can you explain that for folks? Just because again, that's just a that's just a huge resource for information to understand the legal and philosophical background of the the actual court uh, decision. When you have strong dissenting opinions, it exposes for people what might be wrong with the majority opinion, which sorry. is needed. I'm sorry, it's 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 needed because just go to the start. There's a decision. And then that decision is explained by an opinion. And then if someone dissents from that opinion on the court, they write a dissenting opinion. So you have the decision and then you have explanations as to why we made that decision called opinions. Yes. Well, when I know, well, see, when I say decision, I mean the reasons for the decision that are drafted by the majority. So whether it's you know six three seven two five four whatever right the majority the majority's decision op opinion yes we could call it opinion the majority's decision is what rules the day okay the dissenting opinion or or minority uh, opinion or decision is not the decision that's enforced right it just it just sits there as a critique to the majority decision 
Okay. That's what we have in Trinity Western. Seven people said no Christian law school. Two people said that's not, that's not lawful. And here's why we say it's not lawful. And it just sits there as a, as a, as a permanent critique to how that decision was unlawful. That unlawful decision though, became the law because the power of the majority. Okay. The seven is the majority over the two of the nine Supreme court justices. Okay. So the minority or the dissenting opinion or decision that doesn't really get enforced, it's important because it exposes what is wrong. What is, what is, what is, what is morally, legally, ethically, uh, logically wrong with the majority's decision. That's really important. Furthermore, if, for, for, exp for explaining to people, here's how it's wrong. Who is better placed to do that than, than, a, than a judge who's on the same court? Furthermore, sometimes what happens is that law sits there and we get better people on the bench and they say, you know what? Those people were right. We're going we're gonna to switch the law. We're going to change it. Now, stare decisis stands for the point that the law should stay the same. And, and I agree with that. It shouldn't constantly be changing. Okay. But sometimes we make mistakes, obviously, and we, in a, we let that mistake go on for a couple decades. And so we have stability and it also gives us a chance just to see how wrong it is. And then we change it. That's what happened with Roe versus Wade. It was wrong. 50 years later, the court fixed it. Okay. In the States. All right. So, so when you have really good dissenting minority opinions that critique the majority's opinion, they someday can become the law because the, the new judges that come in and see how good this is can go back to it and say, they had it right. Let's fix this. That happens. You look at the last hundred years in Canadian and American law, that has happened many times, usually for the better. Okay. So that's why these are really important, but those are becoming more and more rare because you're, it's no longer just 80% of the bench is, is, is the left-wing lawyers that are pro-government. It's more like 98% now, you, you know, we only got like two, one or 2% left that are thinking like me, and it's going to be, it's going to be zero if it continues on this trend, but it could be reversed. If, you know, if Poliviev gets in, and this is made an issue by the by the conservatives, and I mean the whole great big group, and and you know that includes the people who, you know, vote him instead of PPC. Unfortunately, they that that thirty five or forty percent of Canadians, some are Christian, some aren't, some are fiscal conservative, some are whatever. That whole group needs to say, hold on. Regardless of my personal values about abortion or or whatever else, we need some basic semblance of individual freedom in this country, or we're to, you know we're just going to have death and murder and anarchy and tyranny and, and injustice and oppression and all the things that come, come, come along with a society that doesn't have individual freedoms. We're going to have that if we don't stop this train wreck. So let's make this an issue and let's, let's make this an issue for Polyev because he has the, he now has the authority to appoint these people and let's start to reverse this trend and balance out the court and get some, get, you know, go find the few lawyers in the country who think, who, who think highly about individual freedoms. They're easier to find now after COVID and let's start putting some of them on the bench and we can balance this out. That's what should happen over the next five. Polyev is going to win the next election. Okay, I wish it would be the PPC. It's going to be him. Let's make it an issue. Let's get pro-freedom people on the bench while we have a chance. And let's start to balance this out and turn it around again. I'm not talking about some sort of weird, let's persecute all these lefty judges. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, let's recognize the reality of how this system works. We want to fix it, sure, but let's recognize the reality of how it works and use it and get some pro-freedom people on the bench and start to balance this out. That will be the biggest and long-lasting thing you can do to preserve freedom for your children while Polyev is in, is in power as prime minister over how many ever years he is. That is the number one biggest thing you can do to preserve freedom for your, for your children, is to get people who think like me, not me personally, okay, but people who think like me, who think about individual freedoms and, and actual equality under the law, and get those people on the bench for the next 20, 30, 40 years, because that's how long lawyers are, sit on the bench as judges is 20, 30, 40 years. Let's do that, okay? 
And there's, there's, there's not likely any greater thing you can do for the long-term freedom of this nation. I agree wholeheartedly with 83% of what you just said, uh, only the specifics, um, uh, which you know exactly what I'm trying to make you chuckle on. Uh, no, if biblically, folks, I, this has been an awakening for me as I've, I've, I've researched scripture. We, re, we, we look at all of the times that um, the government is made reference to, even through the judges and the development of the king, the development of... Uh, uh, the, the New Testament teachings on government, the, the government is supposed to punish evil, judge on the side of right, and the government that, – that's the biggest responsibility the government has. So when you are electing a government that is not setting itself up to serve the people – and to serve the people with morality, you are you are leading to tyranny. The moment the government thinks that they are needed for anything beyond justice, um, you're 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 now expanding the role of government beyond what is needed for the people. And so, um, justice is a big, broad word. Justice is a um, you know even talking about land development and where a road goes and uh, payment for the place where like th there's that's a big deal. It's not just the criminal courts that I'm talking about, but Christians really have to understand that to not become socialistic, we have to return to the smaller, limited vision of government, and to recalibrate this whole tyranny thing, where just do what do what everybody else is doing, do what the mob is doing. All these politicians, it has to be redefined. To say, look, we're trying to put in place people who will give satisfaction to the people. And when I say that word satisfaction, I'm I'm thinking specifically out of um, Exodus chapter 18. I'm also thinking specifically when Samuel um, charged Saul with the first kingship, that the king was supposed to protect mm. the covenant people and the and the and the land of the covenant people. Those were those were those were two responsibilities given to him through justice. So, uh, James, I know that uh, we're on a quick turnaround here for you. You did put up your fingers if you wanted to say one last thing. I'll give you the last word, or if we gotta just get out of here, then we're out of here. I do have to get going. I just I want I want to encourage people to donate. Okay, and I and I know this is hard because. I tweeted a thing on, on on Twitter about, or it's now X, about how like, look, if, pe if people got money and they wanna they wanna preserve freedom in this country, they need to, they need to donate towards the organizations that are using lawyers like me to run these cases. And somebody said, oh, why don't you just do it for free? And I said, and he said that would be refreshing. And I said, oh yeah, it would be refreshing. You know, I could sleep outside with my family and in the fresh air. That would be refreshing. It was a pretty snarky response on my. I don't normally do that type of stuff. The response was interesting. Regular people came to my defense, which I didn't expect, and they said, do you expect your plumber to work for free? Do you expect your electrician to work for free? And I, you know, like, you know, do you not think these lawyers have expenses? And I thought, this is interesting, right? Because I struggle with this, right? Right? I, I ask people to donate. I, you know, I ask people to donate. I mean, I got, I got thousands of dollars in, un, in unpaid bills, right? I, I got a business to run, 
right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not floating around in a yacht. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not killing it here. I could be killing it a lot more if I sold my soul to the devil and went to work at, you know, whatever, uh, some, some big corporation. I'm not doing that. Okay. But I am getting paid. I deserve to get paid. That is biblical, right? The wages are, are owed to the worker. And, but I struggle with it, right? Cause I understand I'm asking people to donate towards me getting paid. Um, but I think, I think regular people do understand this, right? They understand I'm not charging $700 an hour. Am I charging $7 an hour? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm charging, I'm charging a lot. Some people would say it's way less than the market rate for lawyers. And you know, I can't do this work unless I, unless I get paid. And I, I, I can't do this type of, of public litigation if people don't donate to the organizations that are paying me. In, in this case, Liberty Coalition Canada. And it seems like some people are stupid. And they, oh, just do it for free, Mr. Goody Lawyer. Right, right. But, but no, that's not how it works, okay? And, and, and it seems like good, decent people understand I'm not, I'm not trying to gouge them, okay? I'm not doing the Rocco Galati thing, okay? I think, I think good people understand that. And some people just don't have the money, and I understand why. Taxes and inflation, and it is terrible. I get it. But I plead with you, if, if, if you do, um, this, is, this, is, this is important. Or at least if you think it's important and you got the means, I'm telling you, um, I believe in what we do. I believe in what the other good lawyers are doing, by the way. I'm not the only one doing this, okay? But, 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 there, but, there's, but these cases would not happen if, if I was not doing them, because there's only so many of us, right? Please, consider donating if you have the means. This is important. And it's not going to continue if people, if people don't donate. I mean, I, I, I can only go with, with unpaid bills for so long before I have to say, I'm out. You people clearly don't want me doing this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to go elsewhere. That's the reality. Okay. And I, th yeah, I think people we, get that. And so I just. Yeah. And I want to comment just really briefly on that, folks. When we say we need $48,000 to keep taking this, um, the, the reality of it is, is we have some expenses that James, as just mentioned, that we're, we're. We're, we're trying to raise money to pay him from some stuff work that he just did in the last month or two. And we're coming into the Christmas season. Typically, people understand that this is year-end giving time. We really need it. But basically, when we're raising funds, there's the public awareness side. So the funds go just towards just some of that administrative work that James needs assistance with, goes towards some of the promotion of what we're doing. Uh, goes, you know, which includes, you know, the emails that are sent out and, and some of the podcasting, the vast majority of the money simply goes to, to pay for James's legal fees. And so, especially if you're giving to Liberty Coalition Canada, which we need you to do, um, all of our podcasts, we partner with an, uh, with a Christian charity called Christian week and, uh, people can donate over there. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about these particular cases, we need you to, we need you to donate to our legal defense fund to support James's ministry. And James, you know, you mentioned some of the other good work other lawyers are doing. Nobody is doing the work that we're doing in the name of Christ with a biblical foundation right. for law. And so a lot of those other organizations right. got very popular very quick because they jumped on the freedom side of things. But when it comes to freedom and when it comes to libertarians, their arguments before the law are not as strong as what James brings. And so um, not only do we have a legal framework that James understands very well, we have a Christian worldview framework that is the foundation for that framework. So that makes our that makes that makes our ministry so niche 
and so repugnant to many people and actually so essential. So please donate. Um, we need $48,000 to finish out Rebecca Abdu's case. We would really love to raise these funds this year, which would, which would support James into moving into the next year. Please go to our website and we are explicitly asking you to donate to the cases today, not to, not to the podcast, not to Christian week, go to the legal defense fund and go to the website and donate today. Please make a year end contribution. As James says, if you've got the money, please do it. We need your support. Thanks James for coming on. I know you're rushing right into a hearing, so we will say goodbye Everybody who, if you've listened, uh, we just want to say Godspeed, go in his strength and by his word and with his spirit. In Jesus' name, talk to you later.